0: Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is a combination of the last three episodes all pooled into one place, which is a joke you'll soon get once you listen to the episode. I hope at least. Guillaume takes us through what cash pooling is, why corporations do it, and what the types of cash pooling are, as well as how to execute it concretely. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Corporate Treasury 101. There we post summaries of key topics as well as behind the scenes of our recording so you can see our beautiful faces, which I'm sure you're eager to see what we look like. Please also send us a direct message there if you have any questions or if there's any topics which you would like us to talk about or go through in the future. We're always open to suggestions as well. You can reach out to us there or you can send us an email directly at Also friends, please do rate us on your podcast platform you're listening on, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you're listening to, as it really helps more people get to know about the beautiful world of corporate treasury. And hit the subscribe yourself so that you can stay up to date as we bring more and more interesting treasury topics for you. We'll be coming up with some exciting episodes on interest rates, inflation, as well as a series of interviews where we deep dive into topics such as cash management, Bitcoin and treasury, and different careers in treasury you can also follow. And with that, on with the episode. So, Guillaume, we've talked in the past a lot about uh, cash positioning. It's mm-hmm. actually one of our best episodes in yeah. the last uh, set that we've done. Awesome! Yeah, so, people really like the topic. Uh, but cash I wanted cash to talk a little bit about what's the next step. So, we talked a lot about moving cash around, having a consolidated position, etc. Mm-hmm. Take us further into that. People want to know more. What's the next topic in cash positioning? Absolutely. Next topic will be cash pool, Oussam. Have you heard about cash pool? Uh, I've heard of pools, and in this weather, I really think a lot about that. <laughs>
1: that would be ideal. Yeah, uh, It's not directly linked, I would say, uh, but it's interesting <laughs> as well. Less refreshing, but um, could be interesting. So, cash pool is a cash management technique. Obviously, that's why we want to talk about it today. So, we tackled quite some cash management topics I just mentioned, uh, and what it involves So, episode 2 and episode 21 um, are perfect for deep dive on these cash topics, if our listeners would like to know more. Um, So cash pool, more precisely, is a cash centralization method. So you remember, obviously, what we talked about uh, in cash positioning. We said that we consolidate all the balances around the world. And we use the example of your three cafes, right, Uh, to assess how much money does your group has And not only the cafes taken one by one. So cash pool goes the step further that you just required. It concentrates the cash in one single location. So
0: just to give a recap on each of those... Uh, terms Guillaume mm-hmm. you have a consolidated position mm-hmm. which is if you summed up all of your bank accounts around different regions or worlds or just all your bank accounts yeah. you summed up all those values that would be your consolidated position precisely right yeah. uh, and like indeed we talked about my three future cafes that I mm-hmm. will have with the best pen in the world very successful course, ones by the way exactly well two of them one of them maybe not so much <laughs> it though. is very that's true we, that's what we said <laughs> back then um, so that's really interesting now yes Pooling all that cash together. So in English, we have the term pooling to pull pool something together is to again collect, let's say, mm-hmm. right? So a pool of water is like a collection of water, right? Yeah. Um. if we're doing that with cash, mm-hmm. I mean, you're not stacking uh, all of your 10 euro bills in one location, right? Everything's digital nowadays. Exactly. Uh, so how does that work in practical terms? How do you concentrate yep. your cash in one position? Everything's digital nowadays. So let's get to it. First of all, technically, that could work eh? to physically
1: concentrate the cash, but it will for sure be quite a painful process uh, and most certainly quite pricey. So the way it works is through bank transfers. Obviously, it's digital, as you just mentioned. So it is done at the end of every single day, working day, I must I precise. There can be some nuances between end of day or during the day, but let's keep it simple for now. So at the end of each day, the money that is sitting on each and every cafe's bank account is sent to a single one, a single bank account. So which bank account would I send it to? So you literally can decide. Um, it can be any. The ways cash pool are set are th- is the following. So you choose one header account. It will be the head of the cash pool. And at the end of the day, this header account receives all the money. All the other accounts that participate into the cash pool are participants' accounts. So the objective is, at the end of the day, to have zero euro, dollar, pounds, you name it, uh, on it, no matter what. So in the example of your three cafes that we like so much, um, and let's make it simple for now. Your first cafe, the one in Brussels, is the most successful one and also the biggest. Successful why? Because it's sitting right next to one of the best restaurants in town, mine, <laughs> obviously. So the bank account of your Brussels cafe is the header. Let's set it up like this. And this bank account will receive all the money at the end of the every day from the two other cafes. Your two other cafes will be participants only, between brackets, in the cash pool. So at the end of every day, the cash balances will be at zero because a transfer will be done towards your header account. A little bit of jargon here, a treasury one. We love it. We call the transfers sweeps because the money is swept from the bank account
0: towards the header. Okay, so a sweep... Yes. is when you pick your central bank account right the one that you call the header account mm-hmm. right and you uh, move all the money from all your other accounts into that header account this right? is the sweep and it's really yeah that's the sweep so you sweep up all the cash exactly makes sense Yeah. Um, i should have asked a better question before because it came to me while you're talking why would i do that <laughs> <It doesn't... laughs> the why
1: oh that's quite an important question indeed so this is uh, where treasury becomes super interesting um not that it wasn't before but here, it really enables the group strategy. Why would you do that? So, you could think that you will jeopardize the solvency or financial health of your two other cafes, right? Or you could question, how do I pay my electricity for, for those two other cafes, for instance, or my suppliers, yeah. or even my employees, right? So, this would be true. Unless you decide to optimize your business, your processes, and do everything from a central location. So for instance, you negotiate prices with your suppliers for the three cafes volumes, not one taken one by one. Uh, Same goes for electricity, cleaning services, potentially rent, right? So you would centralize the processes. And you could do that for the cash as well. So now all your employees are paid from one same bank account. So the payroll is at least a little bit less of a cumbersome process. Same for your suppliers. You all pay them from a single same bank account. This is perfect when you look at reconciliation, you know, like in accounting, you need to reconcile your transaction mm. from the bank accounts to what it corresponds correspond to. It's much easier to do so from a central location from only one bank account. So by centralizing, you enable better visibility, obviously, it refers to cash positioning that we already tackled, also control, and you allow the group to be acting as one big entity rather than small little ones on their own. Yeah, That's so what you will do that.
0: Like you said if you had suppliers, right, uh, around different areas, you could have one big bill with them instead of having like multiple bills in each region mm-hmm. or each uh bank account or something like that and paying out individually. Yeah. It's just easier to aggregate all the money into one and then do it like that. Precisely. Okay, but then I mean what if like one of your other accounts goes into negative, right? Mm-hmm. Uh so that you said that at the end of the day the cash from the participants are sent to the header, mm-hmm. the header account, which is your main one. Yeah. Um, what if there's nothing to, to send in one of those accounts or that account is a negative?
1: Yeah, and that's actually a very important point when it comes to cash pool. So then it will literally work exactly the other way around. Uh, rather than sending money to the header, the participant would receive some. So with the objective to be again at a zero euro balance. Why so? You want to centralize the cash as much as possible for the reasons we just mentioned and quite other that we might tackle in a a moment. So this to optimize your processes as we just described. But you don't want your participant accounts to be in an overdraft position. Again, overdraft, we already already tackled this. Uh, We talked about it in the short-term financing episode, which is number 24, in case our listeners want to uh, have a look at that. You don't want to be in an overdraft position because that will cost you money. So at a larger scale, Let's say now you have 100 cafes, some. You're really successful in this business uh, in 20 countries. Well, some cafes might be uh, experimenting some cash deficits, right? It happens. Uh, hence the short-term financing, the cash flow forecasting that we already talked about. But so instead of committing to external, between brackets, short-term debt, you could set up a cash flow structure to fund it. Well, some other entities, some other cafes might be quite cash rich and quite successful. And so you would lend money between each other and other of your cafes. So it obviously has other financial impacts that we will come to in a moment, but it's always better than asking the bank or external investors to lend you money even on the short term.
0: So you're lending yourself money between different branches? Branches or subsidiaries, indeed. Yeah. Or in larger scale subsidiaries, exactly. exactly. So one term you mentioned there, cash deficit. So that's mm-hmm. like when you go into like um, your cash flow is negative, or that's like when your account goes below zero? Uh, Both, right? It's linked So cash
1: deficit Is basically You are lacking cash Uh, There can be multiple reasons Well, you have uh, To pay your suppliers But your cafe Isn't popular enough To attract uh, A sufficient number of clients So your income Is below your outcome So that's a situation Where you have Less money coming in Than going out Negative cash flow Exactly And at that precise moment You need cash It doesn't mean that You're financially Financially doing bad It just means that you need to find solution on the short term to have a positive cash balance. This is what cash deficit would mean.
0: Okay, so I mean, I assume if this is an ongoing operation, mm-hmm. right, you're doing this daily or whatever, Um yeah. you have some sort of agreements with your banks to enable that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when you set up a cash pool structure, each and every bank account will need to have what we call an intraday limit embedded to it. An intraday limit works a little bit like an overdraft, right? It's embedded to the bank account and it's a limit uh, within which you're allowed to go below zero. Uh, So it allows you to go below zero, but only during the day. Hence the name. Isn't it wonderful? Um, Because the deal is also to have the account at zero euro at the end of the day, right? So the bank trusts your capacity to cover potential short-term funding needs thanks to the cash sitting at the header account or
0: at the group level. So you, you, you emphasized zero about five times. in so far. Yeah. <laughs> I like this term. Why zero? Why not like mm-hmm. surely you want to have a little bit of cash, you know, left over or something like this. Yeah. Like why are we aiming for zero? So that's again a good
1: question. Zero because that's the easiest and fits most of the situation. You centralize cash as much as possible, literally every cash available, uh, while not being in an overdraft position. So under zero overnight at your subsidiary level. So being at in an overdraft position overnight and not only during the day costs quite a lot of money and much more than just being under zero during the day. Now, zero balancing, white, right, Because this is how we call it. This is how we call this cash pool, a zero balancing cash pool. The balances of all the participants will be at zero. Uh, but there are indeed other possibilities, as you just mentioned. And this is called target balancing where you predefine how much money remains on each bank account. If not zero, this can be 10, 100, 10,000, or anything else. Reasons could be diverse, and to give a couple of examples, well, the lease guarantee, for instance, the company you are leasing from requires you to have a certain amount of cash on the bank account embedded to the transaction. Uh, It could also be that, well, because of the financial health or some of the subsidiaries, uh, you have a very small intraday limit facility embedded to it. So you want to make sure you will always have a little bit more cash in case you have expenses coming the day after.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, So that seems to tie in one of our previous episodes, also something that was uh, quite popular amongst our listeners, which was short-term investments, right? Yeah. I assume that if you want to do short-term investments in a specific branch or a different mm-hmm. specific region, or again, you want to aggregate contracts from your central office or something like this, um, this would be something you would want to do to enable short-term investments, right? Absolutely. So Named it. Um, are there any legal implications of that? Like if, if you have like one branch, which is doing super well, mm-hmm. but it just keeps going to bank balance zero at the end of the day, yeah. because you're sort of paying... To another branch or another subsidiary, like, what are the implications for that, Mm -hmm. that branch that's doing super well, looks like it's got no cash in it at any time. So what are the like the legal implications, or even just like, overall, um, the the investor health of that specific Mm -hmm. branch? Yeah, absolutely. Cash pooling.
1: So legal, uh, I couldn't say in detail. I'm more of a corporate treasurer than a legal advisor. But this has indeed impacts that are linked to legal requirements, etc. But what we look at here is the financial statement, right? And if indeed some cash, some money is going out of the bank of, of one subsidiary, well, it will need at the end of the day or at the end of the year, when the, they close the statement to say like, okay, where is this cash, right? You earned it. Where is it right now? So. When a cash pool is in place, those daily transfers, those sweeps, uh, are of course written down somewhere and recorded. And also what we call intercompany loans are set up because each subsidiary is lending and or borrowing to and or from another. What does it mean? If cash is going out of a certain subsidiary, a cash rich one, to go to the header account, and this header account is lending to a cash deficit company. There is some transfer that are done and you need to record this. You need to say, okay, this company at this moment in time has landed money to this subsidiary. So this is the intercompany loan and those are settled depending on the company every X days, X weeks or X month depending on the setup.
0: Okay. So those are like recorded clearly and there's a whole accounting process behind it. So although Precisely. maybe from one accounting aspect it makes it easier mm-hmm. um, for you to manage your bills and your outgoing expenses and incoming expenses, etc. Yeah. Um, there's no such thing as a free lunch, as they say. So there's also Very a true. small there's also this additional cost, which is you need to then also you know do the checks on these intercompany loans. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Very clear. Um so this is what you called zero balancing cash pool, Are there other types of cash pools?
1: Um, So there are basically two. Uh, The first one is named physical cash pool. And this is where the zero balancing cash pool falls into. So the principle is what we just described. You transfer the cash from the participant accounts to the header and vice versa if the participant's balance is under zero. Now, the physical uh, part of it, aspect of it is a bit misleading here. As we just mentioned, nobody physically goes to the bank uh, withdraw all the money at the end of the day via the ATM, take her or his car and delivers it to the bank brush of the header account. Obviously not. It's just that the cash is moved from one account to another at each and every end of day. The second one is named Notional Pooling. And you are never going to believe this, Hussain, but it's the opposite of a physical one. There is no transfer of cash done in this cash pool. So how is that cash pooling if you're not transferring the cash? So... The first step is to, like for cash positioning, uh, you look at all your bank account balances participating into the pool. At the end of the day, you make the calculation of the consolidated balance, and you end up with your notional, so theoretical, offset balance.
0: Okay, so why why is that important? Your theoretical, notional balance?
1: (laughs) So, the main reason is interest calculation. Um, Say some of your accounts are in a negative position and are paying individually, potentially high interest on it because they are borrowing short-term money, right? Other accounts are cash rich. So if the consolidated balance is positive overall or close to, you either pay no interest or at least much less. While keeping first a certain flexibility at the local level, right? Subsidiary can keep a certain autonomy. And second of all, the physical cash pooling is not authorized in all the countries. Some legal local requirements may be um, blocking you from setting up a physical cash pool. Same goes for notional pooling. It's not authorized every, everywhere. So you would choose one or the other, depending on the local regulation. I don't understand that.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> Fair. So your notional pooling... Yes. You're your, your doing... You're assuming... That if I had pooled the cash, Mm -hmm. this is what the cash pooled position would be in my header account. Exactly. And the benefit of that is you have interest payments in your negative balance accounts. Yes. And you don't want to offset those Why? So you want to offset those. I'm sorry. You don't want to fund those accounts and negate the interest rates. Why?
1: So you wouldn't because it would require much less setup. You don't need to make a communication between the different bank Ah, accounts. You don't need to make transfers daily. And you keep a certain autonomy at the subsidiary level. Those are first. Secondly, you could not be able to set up physical cash pool, physical transfers. So you'd say, okay, look, to your bank X... Uh, In the UK, you say, look, I cannot have a physical cash pool, but I know this cafe is like always at minus 500 pounds. This other is always at minus 400 pounds, and I'm paying interest on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other cafe is at always plus 1,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. So if we consider that we consolidate those balances, I will be at plus 100, and I will pay less interest. So against a much lesser fee, Mm -hmm. can we set up a notional pooling so I pay less interest on
0: it? But then... Could you do that with two different banks? Would you have to have the same bank in each region?
1: That's a very good question. So, cash pools, you want to set them up within the same bank, ideally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can set up cash pools between different banks. It's much more cumbersome and with a lot of limitations. You can. But, for instance, the interest calculation wouldn't be possible, Yeah, obviously.
0: So, if I understand this right, to summarize those types. Then, yes. So, you have physical cash pools and notional cash pools, right? Yes. In either way, what a cash pool is, is an automated system, Mm -hmm. right? You're not going there and doing transfers every day. It's really like you set up all your different bank accounts and all your different regions Mm with different subsidiaries or branches or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And then you say, okay, uh, you tell your bank, hey look, at the end of each day, can you just zero all these balances into this one account? Exactly. And the bank is automatically doing that for you every day, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that's a physical cash pool. Like the transfer actually gets executed in an automatic fashion, right? Then there's a notional uh, cash pool, which is Mm -hmm. like, hey, look, I don't want you to actually send all of this cash Mm -hmm. uh, to this header account. But hey, look... um, You can see that I have some accounts which are positive, some which are negative. Can you just consider these when you're charging me interest Mm -hmm. um, as one account? So let's assume that I did do the transfer around. You know I'm not in debt. Mm -hmm. We don't need to actually make the transfers, but we can make an agreement there. So that's a notional cash pool. Exactly. And the reason you would do that is you might want a physical cash pool because you're paying something, everything out of Mm -hmm. your header account. Yeah. Right? Like, for example, your accounting team mm-hmm. and your HR team and your um, I don't know suppliers sa- yeah what suppliers if- they all get paid out of one account exactly and then e- each account of the other one so that's your header account mm-hmm. and all the other ones they're just paying their day-to-day expenses or something like this right yeah. something that can't be centralized um, but maybe you want to keep that autonomy you don't want to go to zero every day mm-hmm. but you also don't want to get charged for interest every day so exactly. you go to the bank and say hey can we do a notional cash pool and say hey look This is how we're going to manage it here. Precisely. So, the other way around is also true, right? We talked about negative interest rates, but there's Mm -hmm. also positive interest. If you have too much cash in a bank account, no such thing. But if you have a lot of cash in a bank account, then you're also getting paid (laughs) interest for that as well. Indeed. Right? So, if um, you could consolidate all of your cash in one account, Mm -hmm. then you get paid more interest, right? So, if it's split across uh, multiple bank accounts, can you also do like a notional cash pool for that?
1: Absolutely. And so the thing you just pointed out, you could say, okay, whether either I have a thousand here, ten thousand there and a hundred thousand there, the positive interest I will get paid on it would be the same anyways. So I would receive the same amount of interest, which would be true. But it's always about leverage. If you're a client who goes to see a bank and say, look, I have this amount of cash, a hundred and thirty thousands rather than here a little bit there and there a little bit more, etc. It's always about leverage. If you come and you say, I'm a big client, the bank will always propose you better conditions, both on the positive interest and the negative ones. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, they will say, okay, look, this one is a big client. He's concentrating all this cash here. We have the opportunity to have all this cash there. We want to make the best proposition to this client. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. he will go to the competition. So it's also about that, about leverage.
0: Yeah. So it's being looked at as a overall entity not as your individual bank accounts precisely right so you want to be seen as the you want to have scale guy. on your side <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly uh, very good and um, so we mentioned this concept of no free lunches Guillaume so what are yeah. the drawbacks of cash pool? and we also already said um, maybe you want some autonomy in mm-hmm. your local businesses but you can always do it uh, notionally right yeah. with the notional cash pool. Um, seems like a lot of effort what are the other negatives indeed
1: so first of all um limitation that could be for one and not the other, and that I would like to touch upon. In case of a physical cash pool, this is only possible with bank accounts of the same currency. Obviously, right? You sweep the cash balances of either Euro towards a Euro header, USD towards a USD header, etc. Where notional poolings allow you to merge and consolidate different ones. Since there is no transfer of money from one bank to another, And we call this multi-currency notional pooling. Now, for the other limitations, and obviously there are some. First of all, the setup, right? The setup of a cash pool requires quite some efforts. We just mentioned it. There are quite some tax and legal implications. So you need to look at the local requirements of each country you want to set this up within. Uh, And overall, it takes some effort. Also, this is a great tool when you look at the big picture and the group level, right? Right? But from a local subsidiary point of view, and as we just mentioned earlier, you lose a certain autonomy. You are basically not the master of your own cash, for instance. It's all managed at group level. Another limitation can be uh, the either technical or cost impact. And let me develop on this. There are two ways of setting up a cash pool. The first one is in-house with your own systems. So it requires quite a solid treasury management system and a seamless bank connectivity structure. So this requires Quite some resources and people with knowledge within your company. Or you can choose to have the setup of the cash pool completely managed by the bank. As you just mentioned earlier, they do everything, they take care of everything, and the cash is uh, in the same location. This uh, means less resources internally, but the banks will obviously make you pay for it. Um, So, depending on the structure, it can be quite pricey, actually.
0: So, what are the data? How do you actually do that? So, say you have an in house team. Uh, moving cash all around my different cafes, right? Yeah. Around the world. Um, (laughs) How do you set that up, like, technically? Okay, so first
1: and foremost, you want, as much as possible, do this between accounts at the same bank. We just mentioned it, but it's super important. Because otherwise, you will have quite some limitations. And this usually means you need a rationalized banking landscape, right? Let's say you make a cash pool structure region by region, because it's easier in terms of currencies and Cut of times. This is a topic we're going to come back on uh, in a future episode. But so you don't want to have to set this up between ten banks. You want to set this up within the same bank, and with ideally not so many bank accounts because that also has a cost. Uh, This is the first. This is the first thing to take into account. Second, uh, you need an accurate and daily overview of what cash is sitting where. So you need to receive what we call end of day bank statements, where the end of day balances of the bank accounts are indicated. So this through a robust bank connectivity setup again. Third, you initiate your payments through your own systems in order to send the exact amount that you receive the information about on your bank statement, and this throughout all your bank accounts around the world. So this means having quite a robust treasury management system and the whole infrastructure that is around it. Last but not least, you need your systems to capture and record accurately how much is transferred every day from each subsidiary. Why? So the intercompany loans you mentioned earlier are correctly recorded and accurate.
0: Okay, so sounds like a lot of work. You need to uh, make (laughs) sure that... Uh, you have everything in one bank account in one bank, sorry, which obviously ID. makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be able to see the live position in an accurate way every single day. Yeah, which makes sense because so that you can actually do the transfers. You need to be able to do the transfers itself mm-hmm. in house, right? Yeah, um, and then you need to be able to do the recordings of those intercompany loans for your accounting department so you don't look like you're embezzling money or something like this. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Uh, So a lot of effort. So why would you not just go straight to a bank? That seems like, hey, look, guys, uh, I have all these bank accounts in your bank. Yeah. Um, Can you just make sure at the end of the day, everything gets transferred into this one?
1: So long story short, you're right. It's quite easier, actually. The bank takes care of almost everything. But first of all, your options are limited and the customization is almost impossible. We talked earlier about this end of day with the nuances of having it like in the middle of the day whatsoever. This will be harder with uh, a a not in-house cash pool structure. However, customization is indeed for companies that exceed a certain size, right? You don't want to bother too much about cash pools if you're below a certain amount of turnover and size. So to answer your first question about the bank being a better option, yes and no. Again, it's quite costly. Uh, plus, big companies usually have the systems in place anyways, right? At a certain point, you need a solid ERP. You need a solid treasury management system. Eventually, a payment hub. All the systems that help you manage your finances, you have them in big companies. They can be quite obsolete, but still, they do the job. So, with a proper team to set this up, the benefits can be quite higher to be done in-house rather than letting the bank take care of everything.
0: So it depends on your size and depends on how much value you're getting out of uh, your pooling. How much customization do you need? How much more can you save by doing it in a certain way, etc., etc. And again, like for example, if you don't have one bank managing mm-hmm. everything, then maybe you also need some sort of in-house team to be able to manage that complexity. Also, I assume. Absolutely, Oza. That's great. Thank you very much, Kim. Thank you. <laughs>